Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the First and Ten Podcast, brought to you by Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. As always, Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis. Aiden, we did not have you last week. You had Danny Phantom in your hole, in your spot there, excuse me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's different. Danny pitched in nicely, um, but uh, it's good to have you back, Aiden. How you doing? I'm doing well. And as far as last week goes, I was listening to the episode and as it was going on, I was like, oh, I hope they hit on this. And then you guys immediately hit on it. And then <laughs> it was just like you guys covered it perfectly. Great breakdown of the show. And I feel like a lot of what you guys talked about, it happened. And it obviously we haven't talked about the Chargers game, but it went. I was a lot more positive about the Chargers game than I think general Cowboys fans were, at least on social media. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's definitely in the rear view. We're not going to spend too much time on it, but you didn't get a chance to speak on it. So if you want to take like 30 seconds to a minute and just kind of see how you feel about the Chargers game, I guess uh, the people would want to hear it. Yeah, I just want to go on a five-second rant about the offense actually played really well against the Chargers. It's just this McCarthy offense is never going to hang 40 points. It's not the Kellen Moore offense where they're going to score in two minutes and it's just a masterful drive. It's going to be a slower, methodical offense. And if you look at the box score, the Cowboys only punted four times. In contrast, last week alone, the Chiefs and the and the uh, Jaguars, who scored like 30 points, 40 points, they also punted four times. It's just the way that the Cowboys play. It's slower. The Chargers drives were taking forever. Just because the Cowboys only put up 20 points does not mean it was a bad offensive performance. I was actually pretty encouraged by the way the offense showed up. Granted, not a great defense, but I was encouraged by what I saw on Monday night. Absolutely. And I'm glad you got to be able to say a little bit about it because, you know, I was interested to see what your take on it. That's the first like real game they had. You know, everything was either a blowout one way or the other. But that was a real, you know, slug out, you know, knockout fight. And uh, they came out on top. But uh, now that it is the bye week. Um, we're gonna have we're gonna be the first show to get everybody back on 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 the swing of things here with the Los Angeles Rams coming out at uh will be a home game against them next week. With that being said, they just lost. We're recording this Sunday night in between the the end of the uh, afternoon slate and the night game on Sunday night football. So we don't know right now as we record what happened in the Eagles Miami Dolphins game. But you know the Rams lost. Um, it seems to be advantageous. I, I, I don't know how you look at it. I, I don't think I'm unique in this stop, but you know, if there's two teams playing and it affects the Cowboys, I want the team with the worst record to win every time. You know what I mean? I think mission accomplished yep. with the commanders there beating, uh, you're losing to the giants. So I think in, you know, we hadn't talked about it last week, but 49ers losing, you know, you got all these other NFC teams falling. The Cowboys, depending on what happens again, like we don't know what happens and I don't want to dwell on it because people listen this Monday morning, but you don't want to make an early prediction about how tonight's game? 
Just well, you know, act like act like you know the outcome. Yeah, yeah, right, right. You know, I'll say something and people will be like, "Nah, they recorded this Monday morning or something like that." But no, um, no, <laughs> no. So, with all that being said, um, one, Aiden, what did you do with your bye week time off? And two, what do you think about everything that's happened in the NFL as a result and how it's fallen for the Cowboys so far? I got the greatest gift of all time for the bye week. Because during the bye week, I'm always so pumped about just like, I don't have to stress about the Cowboys. I just get to watch football this week. And this week specifically, I'm house sitting for my parents who are on vacation. So I'm home alone. So I literally had nothing to do, nothing to distract me, but watch college college football on Saturday and NFL football today. And it was glorious. I will say, in terms of how this what wasn't the most exciting slate of games today, nothing in terms of how the games played out like, I was fine. Like I was rooting for the commanders, obviously, but I'm, it's not like I'm, if the Cowboys are fighting for with the giants at the end of the season, something went wrong. Like I, we shouldn't be confident about the Cowboys if they're, if they're tussling out with the giants for positioning in the NFC East. So I don't, I don't feel like anything that I saw today was too impactful on the Cowboys. I will say the Rams are a better team than what we saw today, because I think the Steelers are a better team, specifically that defense. I'm still a little bit scared about the Rams, even though they lost to what people think is a bad Steelers team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you look at it, though, I like to see them lose. I know some people feel like, oh, after a loss, the teams are more motivated and there's something to be said that. But, you know, I I like to see a team lose and get a little demoralized in that loss. And I, you know, the Rams fought it. It's a tough one. I know the way that game ended, it was there's going to be some controversy. They're going to talk about it all week with the with the uh, the tush push that wasn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah, The spot. Um, But. You know, let's let's kind of reel it in and talk about some of the bye week stuff. Um, before we do that, really, because um, I didn't get a chance to say my bye week was awesome. Like for me, I I got to chill. I like the reset. Um, I still cover football twenty four seven. So, but it was like joy to sit back, not have any stake in the game, just watch the games, enjoy it, and that was fun. And also, I don't know if you can see over my left shoulder here, I got that new skateboard on the wall there. I'm this is not an ad. I'm just saying like I just I think it's the coolest thing ever. I had my buddy Dom from the Athletes Deck made like a CD lamb like his celebration and I got it hanging up on my wall. That thing's liable to fall down any minute though because I don't know if I put it in correctly, but <laughs> no, but um <laughs> no it's cool. I, I just don't know if you saw that, but I think that's pretty awesome to be honest with you. It's a now that you're pointing out, it looks incredible. I will say I missed it because that skateboard blends so perfectly with your wall that I didn't notice <laughs> yeah. it until you mentioned. But I still, to me, one of the best first down celebrations, if not the best in the NFL, is CD Lamb. Like, yeah, I don't know why we why don't we even know what it is. I, we yeah, it's it's. I put that in the first time I saw Zeke do like the spoon. You know, feed me was crazy. Yep. So I feel the same way about that. And on a pure family fan base, I thought that was a pretty cool image to have on the wall there. So let's talk about it. let's let's move forward into our cowboy stuff here. It's the bye week. We got some notes, some things we wanted to talk about, and and I'll give the credit where it's due. You came up on most of these topics. You had a week to kind of digest, and you weren't on last week, so I'm sure you were chomping at the bit to itching. go ahead and talk. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You want to talk some cowboys? So let's start with the first one here. What needs to happen to this offense coming out of the bye week? What needs to change? And I think the way you asked that is perfect. So I'll let you kind of have the floor with that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that I think we can change about this offense. The number one, and it hurts me because I think we are both dying on the hill. At the we we both shared the same take preseason, and it's tough to just like six weeks in have to pivot off that take. But the main thing I want to see, man it's time for Jalen Torbert to get more reps and Michael Gallup to 
not I don't want Michael Gallup to just be benched. I still want to see Mike, but like that throw in the end zone where Dak Prescott could not have dropped a better ball right in the right in the breadbasket of a very covered Michael Gallup and him just it's stuff like that where like let's see what Jalen Tolbert's got. I, I just want like from what we've seen so far, he knows how to make yards after the catch, which is something that Michael Gallup has never been great at. And like the the one the one sticking point, the one area where like Michael Gallup's always dominated has been his hands, and I'm just not seeing that this season. And I think if Jalen Tolbert can show something similar to Michael Gallup's hands, maybe not high pointing, but just reliable catches, and then with paired with his ability to make yards after that, I think the number one thing I want to see coming out of this bye week is Jalen Tolbert getting more reps, which hurts me to say because I was I shared your thought that I thought Michael Gallup was really going to have a big year. No, I don't mind it, right? Like, I'm not like, you know, I have my my hills I die on. Uh, Michael Gallup isn't really one of those for me. Like, I just thought the production early on or the lack thereof was more indicative of the environment and more indicative of some situational things that were out of his control. And, you know, he played well against Arizona and he played well the following week after that. I will say my biggest beef with Michael Gallup isn't really his play. It's more so the fact that that Dak chooses to go to him constantly. Agreed. So, you know, so for a, I don't mind if Michael Gallup is wide receiver three and he's commanding wide, wide receiver three like production. I don't need this guy to lead the team in targets like he did against Los Angeles, you know, the Chargers. Um, I just, it's not necessary. And, and it just hurts more that he was, you know, relatively unproductive whatsoever in that game. So, you know, you get nine balls, you catch what one of them and you drop, what should have been, could have been his best throw all night, you know, right. You yep. know, rip it down the seam. He's got to catch that pass. Um, so for me, I understand the thought process. I think Jalen Tolbert right now brings an interesting unknown element. Um, I, I'm fine with, you know, cutting it down a little bit and giving some Tolbert some more, you know, some more looks. But again, kind of to reiterate, I'm less concerned with Michael Gallup as I am with why is Dak going to him so much? I understand there's a comfort level there, but I don't know if it's necessary. Yeah, I think mine could have easily been revised to say target Michael Gallup less and target Brandon Cooks more, which we every right. time Brandon Cooks has been targeted this season, it's like, oh, wow, he's still a great like that end zone catch he made against the Chargers. He is a that is yeah. a small receiver completely bo- boxing out the defender and mm-hmm. just catching that ball against his body. He had a similar like 10 yard curl route that once again, it's he's small, but he's boxing. So similarly, Michael Gallup, bless, just give Brandon Cooks more targets who has been very productive on the targets we've seen. It's just Absolutely. we just haven't seen a lot of them. Absolutely. I mean, 100 percent right there. I think uh, Brandon Cooks. It wasn't like an overly productive game, but it felt like a breakout in the sense where it was like four receptions, 48 yards, and a touchdown or a something. Touchdown, like yeah. yeah, so the touchdown was the big thing. I think that's what's going to break the dam. I think Brandon Cooks is – I don't think he didn't have Dak's trust, but now he's got like, all right, I can kind of get him the football. I can force it down there. And I think adding, you know, just – I mean, that's the part in this that we don't talk about often. I know Bill Belichick kind of gets killed for this, um, but he always acts like September is like – you know, the oh, this feels like the preseason. You're not, it's not real football until you get into like October into November. I feel like the Cowboys have a little bit of that. They still won the game, still matter, but we're starting to kind of see this offense or have to or hope to evolve a little bit more. And now, kind of roll into what um, my answer to this question is: is I want to see what they started to show against the Chargers and to be able to push the football a little bit more, right? Like that yep. throw to Michael Gallup. 
because he dropped it doesn't stop me from wanting to continue to do that, right? We got to use Jake Ferguson more in the middle, Schoonmaker more in the middle. CD Lamb, seven receptions, what, 117 yards? Like, that's good production. That's good. You know, you're getting – they should have given it to him more, but I'm not going to be mad with him catching every ball that went his way. <laughs> um, But, yeah, just I, I – the offense, the, the passing game specifically needs to evolve a little more, right? I think we've seen a really passive, you know – type of situation where it's not aggressive whatsoever we're taking what we can and i think there is value in that because it brings safety it brings like stability but you got to be a little bit more aggressive and it's going to come to a point where like games are going to become um one or loss on some offensive possessions and you're going to have to be able to get a little more aggressive and a little risky there come that is that's the right takeaway from this because what i am like the worst, the absolute worst play against the Chargers, the one where I was like, yeah, maybe this offense is broken, is when it was late in the game, third and like eight ish. And once again, it was a four yard curl route beneath the sticks. And the receiver, eased, I, don't, I don't remember who caught it. It's been a week at this point, but easily gets tackled. And it's like, what what were you hoping for there? Like, I'd love to see more aggression. And you, you brought up this uh, Michael Gallup play, another play that I loved that was like two inches away from working, that wheel route to Pollard down the sideline that slightly yeah. better balls a money touchdown mm-hmm. and and so like stop using cd lamb i do i over the second half of the season danny phantom brought this up i brought this up before i don't want to see a single screen called to cd that is such a wasted play and a misuse of your receiver get him going <laughs> deep get him going across the field use cd lamb like a wide receiver one instead of some gadget oh he can he can take a screen three yards congratulations that's not how you should be using cd yeah, you're right. And they do try to give it to him quick and try to get the ball in his hands quickly, which I understand. Like sometimes it's like a drive starter. Sometimes it's a it's yeah. a momentum starter. But you're right. I think it's it's not necessarily I, I would like to see those go to cooks. Like you said, like, you know, you're going to be able to get the ball to CD Lamb organically. Right. Like he's going to be able to win his routes and you're going to be able to find him because he's a wide receiver one bona fide. If you want to get another guy involved, give that to Brandon Cooks. The jet sweeps they used to do with, like, well, they still do with Kevontae Turpin. Like, those are the type of plays I want to see from Cooks and those guys. And, you know, force feed him and force feed them the ball. But, yeah, um, I think this offense is still, you know, a work in progress. I think everyone feels that way. But at the same time, I'm not as nearly down on it as most people seem to be, which, you know, for me – uh, you know, I, I I see what they're trying to do. I understand what they're trying to develop here, and it hasn't been put all together. And despite this team having some blowout wins and, you know, the 4-2 and two at the break, they haven't put a complete full game of everything just going right yet. And I think when they do, they're a scary football team. But I will say, huge win that the Cowboys were trailing against the Chargers and the offense was able to bring them back. I love seeing that. And yeah. I know it's not like the offense was the only reason they won the game. It's not like they won in a shootout, but the offense staying composed, being able to deliver that field goal late to me was a huge win for Mike McCarthy's squad. Yeah. And not to, you know, pour salt on the wound. I don't know if I, I don't know if you saw Brett Maher's day today. Ooh. Uh, yeah. It was, what do you have? Two missed field goals and a mixed, a missed extra point in an indoor you know, controlled environment facility. And he didn't even look good really doing it. And I don't take any pride in that, but man, the Cowboys got this kick situation correctly. I mean, Brandon Aubrey's a bona fide stud. Yeah. I, in no way was I rooting for it, but I would be surprised if Brett Maher is facing off against the Cowboys next yes. week. Yep. I, I feel the same way. I'm watching this unfold and I had similar feelings I did against Tampa, you know, you know, like when we we're in the playoffs, I'm just like this guy, man, I just, I think he just, 
he gets in his head a lot and you know all the best to him i hope all the best i'm not rooting for that but that that was a tough situation but anyway let's go to the other side of the ball and you presented another question here for our second topic that i thought was it's interesting and it's worded correctly and it's word it's worded in a way that like will drive conversation so i'll ask it exactly how you wrote it is this defense good or are they average but have benefited from a good schedule and i think that's a really interesting topic because I w- I think you would agree that they're not average, but I think they have benefited from a softer schedule and we have yet to really figure out how good this defense is yet. Yeah, I could uh, that last thing you said is key. I still don't know how good the defense is, but here's the way that I lean currently. I think the defense is very good but they are susceptible to horrible games. It's like, it's very similar to Kellen Moore's offense. Oddly enough, it was like they, most weeks they're going to come out and they are going to look very impressive, but then there's weeks that they're going to come out and they're going to allow the 40, the 49ers just run rough shot over them, get score. However they desire. They're going to let the Cardinals score, like run all over them. So I think this defense is susceptible to bad games, but I think in today's NFL, there's like there's still a very good defense. I just we, we need that consistency if, if the Cowboys want to do if they if they want to reach a level that we haven't seen in a while. We're like the Rams and the Eagles as the next two games are huge tests specifically because those are two great wide receiving cores, and I do not know how good the secondary is yet. They played well against the Chargers, horribly against the Niners. I don't know what to make of the secondary. Love Bland, but they're about to get tested by two great receiving cores, and I'm very excited to see it. Yeah, that's that's a huge factor, and it's tough. I mean, everybody knew when you lose Trayvon Diggs, there was going to be a drop-off, and there's going to be some issues there. And I, I, I'm I, surprised they haven't been more aggressive in the bye week. I know there's been rumblings. I know RJ wrote about how they're, they could be buyers and you know at the trade deadline. But to me, it felt like getting that done Monday of this week would have made sense to try to get somebody in. Maybe not not ready after the bye, but maybe they're ready two weeks, and then you then you got them for the Eagles game. I don't know, you know, it, whatever they tell they tell us talent acquisition is a twenty four seven business, and I would like to see that become you know a reality a little bit more often. But I digress. With that being said, you know th- there is just like the rest of this team, there is a lot to be figured out here. We know that the talent is is damn good, right? We know that the talent. Um, when it's on can beat anybody. But the problem is, and I don't know if it's like a motivation thing, a mental thing, uh, a psyche thing, whatever the case may be, this team can come out and just fall flat on any given Sunday, you know, and it's, and it is kind of weird how, you know, they get, they get beat by Arizona. You know, they're going to stomp the Patriots out, you know, they lose and then they go and you know, they're going to beat the chargers. And it's just like this team is, it's just there's too predictable. And I think that's kind of what you feel about the Cowboys. How many times, you know, growing up or over the last decade where you're like quarterbacks, whether it's their first start or their second start, like feel comfortable because they're not doing anything special on defense. You just got to read it correctly. And they're not disguising much. And even on offense, they don't motion as much. And they just like a, the Cowboys think that they have the ability to just line up and beat everybody. And it's just not the case in today's NFL. And Completely question for you. And this might be a no duh question. So I'll revise it slightly at the end against the Niners. We know the Cowboys got absolutely dismantled on defense. They got zero pressures on Brock Purdy last week against the chargers. They were, although you might see the box score and see one total sack. 
That's completely misleading. They were in Justin Herbert's business all night long, and you could tell because it was rattling Justin Herbert. Do you think the, this Cowboys team is more dependent on their defensive, how their defensive line plays than most other teams? Like compared to like a Browns, if the Browns don't generate pressure, there's I still think they're a pretty good defense. Is are the Cowboys just completely they go as a defensive line, specifically the pass rush goes, or is that is it more just no duh? That's every NFL team. I think support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L. V-A-N-29.com. It's a little more high level than that. And I don't have really the time or the resources right now to kind of go into depth with it. But I feel like when you got a coach who can scheme up getting the ball out quick and their offense is predicated around just getting the ball out and protecting their quarterback and, and having a tough style of offense, you have trouble with that. Like we saw the Broncos do it last year. We saw the 49ers do it this year. Arizona had a running game and a quarterback could get the ball out and, and they brought physicality. The Chargers, and we know this with Kellen Moore, he's going to do what he's going to do, right? It's the teams that don't adjust to what the Cowboys do as a strength. And it, I think that's what's the problem with any level of high school, you know, high school, college pros, a, a coach or a staff who are set in their ways are always going to end up running into people who are innovative or, or aren't afraid of the change week to week or have the mental capacity to do that. So I don't think it's it's directly OK if the Cowboys pass rush doesn't win, then all of a sudden the, the rest of the team is a problem. I think coaches now like a Kyle Shanahan are able to scheme them out of the game. Right. You remember how Tom Brady used to be able to get that ball out so quick. He would neutralize yep. your pass rush. It wasn't a problem. He wasn't worried about it because he was going to get the football out. And it's those teams that have done those things that have hurt the Cowboys. So go and get a dumb team. The Cowboys will steamroll you. But play against a high level team that understands like a Mike McDaniel on Christmas Eve. It got me nervous, like completely nervous. And because that guy is going to look at himself with humility. He's going to say, what do we do wrong? What do the Cowboys do wrong? And how can we beat them in that? And that's a game that really legitimately scares me. I'm not saying the Cowboys can't win, but that's the type of guy that can hurt us. So then to take that, but to get a more recent example out of that, how scared are you about Sean McVay knowing that that's also a dang good NFL coach who can adjust? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, the, the thing is, though, you got to have the horses. Now, they have the wide receivers, but do they have the running game? Do they have the offensive line to hold up? Is Stafford... Um, you know, Stafford can get the ball quick. He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but where is he in the idea of getting it out, understanding and nickel and diming? Because you can beat the Cowboys with the nickel and dime approach. Eventually the levy will break. But 
it's it's you're right. I think Sean McG- Sean McVay is one of those guys who you can lump in with the Kyle Shanahan's, the Mike McDaniel. You know, even Matt Lafleur when they had Aaron Rodgers was like, okay, like we know how to beat you because we got a Rod. So it just it's not the old like Bill Belichick can't beat the Cowboys anymore. You know, the old <laughs> school coaches can't beat the Cowboys anymore. Like the Cowboys would kill Sean Payton. You know what I mean? It's it's the guys who are young and understand how the game is evolving that give the Cowboys fits. I think that's completely reasonable and historically what we see Dan, Dan Quinn's not susceptible to being outcoached. He right. was outcoached against the Niners and I for my money he was outcoached against the Cardinals too. The this Cowboys run defense is not bad. They held Austin Eckler to nothing. They held Christian McCaffrey to nothing. I just think they were outcoached against the Cardinals, which is really weird to hear. You know, it's it's funny with me with Dan Quinn is early on when you come into your system and you're coming to a team and you're developing your system, you keep it basic because you want you don't want the guys to think too much, right? And then as your system evolves, you know, the players get drafted, they get smarter, they get more comfortable, and then you have uh, your defense evolves, your philosophy, the, the the packages and and how you implement things evolve. But when you get injuries. And then you become limited talented wise, like where you lose a Trayvon Diggs. Now that hurts the cornerback room. And then you had Donovan Wilson wasn't playing early on. And then you got to put Marquise Bell at, at linebacker who ends up being a, a great positive for this team. But you lose a Leighton Van Der Esch and they're trying to figure out who the green dot guy is. Who's going to be the one calling the signals? You know, who's the defensive signal caller now? It, it messes things up. There's so much nuance and there's so much like continuity and familiarity that comes with a defense. And that doesn't include the weekly preparation for guys who are already like looking to scheme up and beat you specifically who have had scouts already watching your film for weeks. You know, they've already had a plan and I know it's everybody's problem, but you're right. Dan Quinn, I say this in a long roundabout way to say Dan Quinn has a philosophy. He has a style and you know what? it's going to be good enough unless it isn't. And that's how he thinks. And that's not a knock if it can work. But, you know, sometimes you run into the 49ers and they and they whoop you. You touched on one thing that uh, I know this defensive conversations lasted long, but we didn't talk about the way that Marquise Bell filled in for Leighton Van Der Esch. What do you do? It's so, th- th- you know, Rashad Evans I don't know. You know what I mean? Marquise Bell does what he does. I think you got to have Rashad Evans available because he's that size and he's got veteran presence. But I think he might have slipped, fell, stumbled into Marquise Bell being a legitimate linebacker guy. You know what I mean? He may not have the size and it may not be his best right now, but you put on 15 pounds of this guy next year, he might be a legitimate linebacker. I don't know if he loves the idea, but he might have himself a career there. I don't even know if it's a next year type of thing where – I mean, you know, Dan Quinn loves athleticism. He yes. loves he yeah. loves players who can just like Marquis Bell. You need him to play safety. Sure. You need him to come down and play linebacker. Apparently he can do that. He loves athleticism. And what we saw against the Chargers, give Dan Quinn a bye week to coach him up some more. Maybe coach him up a little bit after the Rams game. I'm not entirely sure that Marquis Bell might not be a permanent linebacker for the rest of the season in terms of even when Rashawn Evans is up and ready to go. We might be seeing Marquise Bell still playing that linebacker position where Evans substitutes in occasionally. I agree. I think for 2023, him at linebacker is almost a necessity. It's, you know, he's got to play there. Uh, They brought Rashad Evans. If they didn't bring him in, like they wouldn't have brought him if it wasn't needed, right? At least for depth pieces, Marquise Bell can start and I'm totally fine with that or, you know, get starter reps. I say air quotes, 
But let me ask you moving forward. We had talked about Jaron Curse. The contract's up at the end of the year. Do you de- try to develop Marquise Bell to be a you know an every down linebacker with athleticism, or do you say okay, stay at safety and you could be the new Jaron Curse? Like, what one do you think they try to do that, and two, what do you think is more beneficial to this defense? I I mean, this is gonna be such a cop out answer, but I'd want to see like over the next four or five weeks. And just over the rest of the season, how Marquise Bell plays at linebacker to answer that question. However, what I will say, if Marquise Bell continues to play well at linebacker, I don't there is not a pressing need to shift him back to safety after the season ends, because, I mean, you still have Dono, you still have Hooker, you still have Izzy, who I think like he's still that he's like he's Izzy can turn into that Marquise Bell project where you need to you can get him to where you need to be. And paired with the fact that. Apparently Dallas can just pull random safeties off the street and Dan Quinn makes them elite. Like I'm fine taking that risk. If Marquise Bell proves that he's a must start a linebacker. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I want to put, get, put the cart in front of the horse here, right? There's a lot of football left to be played and it was one ga- good game and that's it, but it is encouraging, right? Marquise Bell Agreed. has a, he has a role. He can find something. He can help this defense. And I, they talked about it on the broadcast, but it was something I thought about initially too. It's like, the kid's unafraid. I know he's like 210 or 215, but he sticks his nose in it like he's a 235-pound linebacker. Like he's just unafraid. It's like he's played the position for years, and it's and it's super impressive that he was able to step in and have that type of impact. Yeah. And we so completely A, his athleticism is incredibly skilled. Like him making that tackle in the backfield where he didn't win off his size. He just won by beating there with speed, and it was a shoestring tackle, but that's all you need. I mean, you were going against Austin Eckler. I'm fine with shoestring tackle. He proved enough to me for me to have confidence in him for at least the next week. By the way, I didn't even mention, now that I'm thinking about it, I didn't even mention Wanye Thomas, who through a rookie yeah. year has looked just fine. Another yeah. project that's He's another guy. And, it, and it's yep. those two guys, Marquise Bell and Wanye Thomas, that's been why Izzy's like inactive most weeks, you know? And yep. I, I don't know if that's. A knock on Izzy. I think Izzy has value. I think Izzy would be on a 53. I think he'd be active every week on a lot of teams. You know what I mean? Just maybe not this one right now, but I, you know, if he's discouraged, which I don't think he is, but if, if, if he is discouraged and he's listening to this, like he's going to be needed at some point, you know? So let's, oh, let's yeah. we, we won't have to chill. Like at some point he's going to have his, his moment, but a really deep safety room, a really fun safety room. Um, and so let's kind of shift to our final topic here. We'll talk about um, some plurvatives, right? We got some, we got some that are, we were talking about offense and defensive MVPs, some surprises and some disappointments for the halfway point. Uh, and this is another great topic that came up. Aiden, this is, you're in your bag this, uh, this episode with all the <laughs> topics. So let's start, let's start negative first. Cause it's only one negative here and then the rest is all positive. So let's start with the negative first. Who is your biggest disappointment thus far to this point? I we I'm gonna man I should I should have actually thought about this before we started taping the episode I'm gonna say it's tough he's not disappointment he's not disappointing in the fact that he's like actively hurting this team I just I really really wanted it to work out to where he could provide value and he could step in and rip off yards I really wanted to see more out of Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn's mm. so far that experiment's no, not working. One. Yeah, he's he was a healthy scratch right against the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Um, Blake Davis getting the activation there. We have sad to say because the preseason looked great. He looked electric. He looked like he could 
run through tackles. We just haven't seen it so far. And I'm not giving up hope on Deuce Vaughn, but I thought he was going to be like a spark plug gadget guy for this offense. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think that's going to happen in 2023 for Deuce. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. And I, I don't take any pride in this, but like I had kind of seen enough, at least early on in the last week or two, where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if we yeah. need to see Deuce Vaughn, you know, as the run blocking, I mean, as the pass protector in third down. You know what I mean? I don't know if we need to see him in the role that we're using him. And I think that's more unfair to how they chose to take and use him instead of just like using him as for his strengths and putting him in better positions. But I, that's a solid answer. I'm going to go a little bit more high level with my disappointment. And this will probably surprise some people who have listened on because um, I was high on this guy, Jake Ferguson. He just hasn't really done too much. You know what I mean? I think, and you could really, if you want to get crazy, you could talk about the whole tight end room as a whole. It's really been. I was going to say, you could, you could throw a schoonmaker in there too. Yeah. I mean, and so Peyton Hendershot injured, you know, out for, he's probably not out for the year, but they got him on IR. So he's at least out for a month. Um, And then the only one really in my mind who is, made the most of his opportunities in this whole limited was like Sean McCune because he's been Mr. Johnny on the spot. You know, he's done his, he's shown effort. He's shown hustle, but you know, Ferguson's dropped some balls. Schoonmaker's dropped some balls. And I will say, so, you know, this award is award or, you know, term that we're award using here. In quotation yeah, marks. Yeah, yeah. Is um only for right now, because I am a believer that this is going to turn around. I think these tight ends are going to end up being productive. And I think they're going to end up being a huge part of this offense moving forward. But right now, none of them has really done too, too much to inspire any confidence at this point. Yeah, this hurts real bad because I was right there with you on the Ferguson boat. He hasn't looked great, but you're. I thought we could make it. I really thought the combination of a second year Ferguson, a second year Hendershot and a rookie schoonmaker was going to like replace what we lost in Dalton Schultz. And I still think by the end of the year, we're going to be like, okay, Dalton Schultz too. But for right now, this team has a giant Dalton Schultz hole in it and it's been very evident through six weeks like against the chargers Dak didn't even really target the tight i don't even know if a, tar- a yeah. tight end had a reception and you like in Dak's offense Dak loves the tight end crazy we, you gotta see yeah you gotta see better play from that so but I, gallup would have been my answer for disappointment if yeah. we hadn't spent the first five minutes of the show <laughs> ragging on the guy Fair enough. Fair enough. So let's let's talk about this. Um, let's go to defense. Let's do a defensive MVP. Who's their defensive MVP at this point? MVP. Yes, sir. I I mean my defensive. I'm not gonna get cute with it. And like if we're just talking pure MVP, it's Micah Parsons. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I could uh, an honorable. I guess I'll give an honorable mention because Micah Parsons is obviously the defensive MVP. You know, I'm going to honorable mention to Osa. Osa has had a great year. And I've always believed, like, we've always seen flashes from Osa. And I've always loved the talent. I think so far this year, Osa, he's, like, not, like, the actual MVP. But, like, he deserves his flowers. I'm going to give him an honorary mention for MVP here because I don't see a lot of people talking about him. And Osa's been having a great year. Yeah. You know what? And this is – I'm genuinely – genuine i'm not doing this to be different i'm not saying this to to rile up anything but if people have anything to say about it please comment and tell me if i'm wrong or right if you agree i genuinely think our defensive mvp is demarcus lawrence like i genuinely don't i don't yeah i don't hate that at all you know like everything he does 
Like he's one of the PFF's highest graded pass rushers. He's one of the highest graded defensive linemen overall. Plays the run better than damn near anybody in the NFL. Always gets his hands on a pass. He's always, you know, freeing space up for Michael Parsons, whoever's on his side with him. He's part of the reason why Osa dig it. Osa is eating. He's a, he's a part of the reason why Michael Parsons gets the one on ones at times. Like everything he does, he's just a gritty, tough guy. And then this team's identity and and kind of persona is completely different without him, right? Because Michael Parsons is the young superstar who everybody, like he's the cool kid, right? Like Michael Parsons is the cool kid that everybody wants to be around, wants to change and swap jerseys with. But Demarcus Lawrence is like that, that like bully who bullies bullies, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like he's like, he's, he's a good guy. He's like a superhero in the sense that He's going to be tough. He's going to slap you in the mouth, but he's going to do it in the name of the good guys. And I think Demarcus Lawrence is that guy who every team should have one of those. And I'm sure every team thinks they have one of those, but Demarcus Lawrence walks it, how he talks it. And he's just a stone cold killer right now. I think if you take away sacks, it's like, if you only watch plays that didn't result in a sack, it is so unbelievably apparent that the like, you'd say, oh yeah, Demarcus Lawrence is easily the best player on this team, right? Yeah. Like he he just he just doesn't get the sacks, which has always been the knock against him. But I hope Cowboys fans are starting to realize that although he doesn't rack up the sacks, everything else he does is so important in this defense that I love naming Demarcus Lawrence the defensive MVP so far. Yeah, that's my guy. And you know, like you said, Micah Osa, those are really good pieces. I mean, there's enough, you know, talk there's enough disparity that you could have a conversation about a few different guys. And I think that is a good thing about this defense. All right, so let's move right through. I know I skipped over the surprises, but give me a positive surprise. Who is somebody that surprised you positively so far this year? I'm going to give it to another guy on the defensive side that we didn't talk about. Could if You can make the argument that he's been the defensive MVP given the situation he had to step into. Deron Bland has been incredible for us this season. I would go as far to say, like, he is quarterback one right now. I know he traded for Gilmore. I really wish... It would have looked better. Deron Bland is the best cornerback that the Cowboys have right now. He makes plays, but more underrated. He's just, he's, he plays tight in a way that like, you're not going to see Deron Bland much at all over the back half of the season because it's like the Byron Jones effect. He's just playing his defenders so tight that the quarterbacks are not going to want to target Deron Bland. And so, yep, he's probably not going to end up with a lot of interceptions over the back half of the year, but his pass breakup numbers, his target, his completions allowed, it is Deron Bland is playing amazing football. And given the situation he stepped into, I think we're all like, we all like Deron Bland after last season. I didn't expect him to become the bona fide cornerback one when Trayvon Diggs went down. I totally agree. I mean, it's a great pick. Deron Bland is without him playing the way he has. This defense is a, a real mystery with since Trayvon Diggs went down. So yep. it's been a huge settling piece there. It's a question answered. Um, obviously, there are some more questions there, but that is somebody that you can count on to know that's going to give you a quality, high-level play. Um, my my surprise in a positive isn't a guy that I'm surprised is playing well. It's a guy that I'm surprised how well he's playing. Like if that makes sense. And I'm gonna and it's Tyler Smith. You know, so Tyler yep. Smith, I knew he's going to be a solid guard. I knew he's one of the five best offensive linemen, a young piece that the Cowboys absolutely got right last year when a lot of people that thought they were wrong, including myself. But it's the fact that he's like playing at like a damn near all pro level. Like the fact that this guy is going to soon be talked about as one of the better guards in all of football is something that 
I didn't have on my bingo card, right? I know, <laughs> I know everybody's like, he's the left tackle of the future. What are we doing with Tyron Smith? And I think I think it might have been Big Duke or somebody had said this was he'll be a Pro Bowl left tackle, but he'll be like a Hall of Fame guard. And I think we're Ooh. kind of seeing something of that nature. Now, Hall of Fame is crazy in the second year, but we're talking about potential. He looks so much more comfortable inside. He could use the size. He could use the strength. He's actually bullying defensive linemen. He's getting to the second level. He's him paired next to Tyron Smith. It's doing them both wonders. That's a big, massive combo there. And I'm pleasantly surprised because of the play and the level of play he's played with so far. Yeah, he struggled a bit against the Chargers, but if you look at weeks one through five and you mentioned him being PFF's highest grade offensive lineman, you could say, and this would be wild going into the season to assume that you could say he outplay he's been the better guard than Zach Martin mm. through the through the first five weeks. Struggled Crazy. against the Chargers. I expect him to get back on track. That is wild. The fact that you have a guy who is now rivaling Zach Martin, arguably the greatest guard of all time in terms of how he's playing this season. Zach Martin is a great example. Like he's, if you want to know why Dak has way more time than we ever thought he'd have, like he (laughs) Dak specifically the last two weeks has been scrambling great. It's Tyler Smith is a huge reason why this offensive line looks competent. I love that pick. Absolutely. And let's wrap it up with one final superlative here. Who is your offensive MVP? Tony, you took my offensive MVP. It was going to be Tyler Smith. Get on your soapbox. If you got more, no, then spill it. I'll just say Tyler Smith was my pick for offensive MVP. You made the absolute right pick with surprise. I still want to, you know, let's give the offensive. I might be taking yours, but it's Dak Prescott. Mm. I don't. He's had his ups and downs over the back half of the year, but in terms of who has consistently showed up, Dak Prescott had one bad game. Granted, bad time for that bad game to come because we all really wanted to beat the Chargers, but every other game, if you just look, Dak Prescott is one of the leaders in EPA EPA per play this season. No, he's not going to throw for 40 touchdowns this season. No, he's not going to throw for 5,000 yards, but he is doing everything the team has asked for him. He is making incredible throws. He's... What's your what's the saying you like to use? You can't go broke taking a profit. Exactly. He's he's working that off. He's working the offense masterfully. Had one down game against the 49ers. But if you take that game out, even the Cardinals game, it was just offense red zone offense ineptitude, which we both pin more on McCarthy than Dak. He is having a highly efficient season. Just not if you go box score hunting. Sure, it's not his best statistical season, but this guy is moving the offense at a masterful level. Just need to get the red zone offense figured out. Period. I mean, well said. I don't even have to add anything more to it. It's just he's he's doing what this offense asked them to do. If you don't like what he's doing, then blame the offense, right? Like everybody wants yep. to when the 40 when they lost the 49ers, everybody's looking for a reason. And the reason's gotta be Dak and it's gotta be, you know, it's no. Like, listen, there's a lot wrong. And yeah, he didn't play great against the 49ers, but like you said, he's running this offense well. You know, a couple of those, how different do we feel if he didn't throw one of them's interceptions against the 49ers is real. Two of the other were like, this is a sick joke. You know, it doesn't even really make sense. But if I imagine yeah. if he's sitting here with, what, one interception on the year or two interceptions on the season, we're, we're talking about the guy 
even more differently. I mean, he's only got four, but like, seriously, like if it's two, you feel even better about it. And I, I think that's more of like a feed into the national media with the nonsense that they talk about. But, you know, Dak Prescott's hard to argue with the MVP. Um, For me, what I'm going to do is because you took Dak, it seems like an easy one, but I think I still would have picked this guy. And it's not necessarily because he's showing up every single week, but I think it's because of when he does show up, what it does for this team. And what it does for this team is, is, put them in rarefied air. And I'm going to talk about CD lamb. Yep. When the guy plays well, this team plays well. And the 49ers game, when he was pouting on the sideline and owned it, like a man knew that he shouldn't have acted like that. But that came from a guy who wasn't like upset because he wasn't getting his numbers. He was up be- upset because he knows when he gets the ball, he can genuinely help this football team. Right. So like I, I there's people that pout because they don't get their stats and they're like, ah, oh, it's, because he's worried about his bag or he's worried about this. CD Lamb is getting his bag, right? CD Lamb is a is a lock to get a long-term deal in Dallas. So I don't think he's worried about his money at this point. I think he genuinely wants to win football games. And when you get beat like you do against the 49ers, it changes the way you feel. But whether it's the Giants, the Chargers, whoever they're playing against, he's stepped up, he's made big plays, he got a touchdown in New England, his impact, who he is, it's changing the way defenses scheme up the Cowboys, right? It's making things easier for Brandon Cooks when he's eventually going to get involved. Michael Gallup is getting better opportunities, even if he's not winning them. We're going to see more things open up for Tony Pollard. Like, it's just, there's a lot that this team does that centers around the fact that they have a bona fide wide receiver one. So if you're going to pick Dak, I'm going to pick CD as my MVP. Love the pick, because I think if you were, if you were asking me, like, who's the most, what's, the least replaceable, like if you're going least replaceable, number one is obviously Dak. Number two, CD. If you take CD out of this offense, I don't even want to fathom to know what would happen. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is he's good. Michael Gallup struggling, but he can be good at times. But like that, if you, if that if that's your one and two receiver, you're in real trouble. CD brings another step to this offense that I think that's the reason Brandon Cooks looked good against the Chargers. It's because CD. I think it was like the first three. Did the first three passes go CD's direction? Yeah. It se- yeah. If it didn't, it seemed like it. Mm-hmm. Hyper targeting CD. Oh, look what happens now. Brandon Cooks is open. Well, who would have thought? Oh, because everybody's now paying attention to CD Lamb. Com- I love the pick. Completely agree with you. When CD thrives, the whole team thrives. Absolutely. So, with that being said, we kind of wrap up all of our topics. Is there anything you didn't get out that you wanted to talk about? Anything you want to touch on? I really hope the Dolphins beat the Eagles tonight. <laughs> yeah, like I said, as we're recording this, this game's about to kick off any minute now. A peek behind the curtain, me and Aiden try to set these up so we can watch the Sunday night games and then uh, <laughs> kind of talk about it after. But no, um, but for me, yep, like you mentioned, the Rams are not going to be an easy game. They lost, and, and they lost in tough fashion to the Steelers today. But that is the next one. They play 1 o'clock, noon uh, central time, um, at home against the Los Angeles Rams. The Cowboys are 4-2. Got a little bit of a tough stretch coming up here before it lightens up a little bit, but you got to handle these first two games here against the Rams and the Eagles. Hopefully be six and two when it's said and done there. Since we can never do it on our show, do you want to, because we're always reviewing the episode or the mm-hmm. games, do you want to give an early score prediction for the Rams? Yeah, why not? Let's see. I'd say Cowboys, Cowboys win 31-27. Okay, I like it. What do you got? It's weird. I think I'm going to predict a loss this week, but to wow. the tune of 27-24. But listen, I'm already <laughs> preemptively predicting a cow. I think we drop to the Rams 
and then beat the Eagles. That's That'd I'm be... preemptively getting that out. Don't worry, I think we're gonna beat the Eagles. A loss heading into Eagles week sounds awful on Twitter. That sounds oh, awful. it's good. Oh, it's gonna suck. <laughs> no, but, but it won't happen. Hopefully. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, that is another episode of the First and Ten podcast, brought to you by Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. As always, Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis will catch you guys next week. Hopefully, discussing a win. Have a good one. Peace.